You ready? Yeah. You ready? All right, hold on. Here we go. What's going on, everyone? This is the My Aggie Nation podcast. I'm Travis Brown with the Eagle alongside Robert Cessna, Eagles sports editor. Uh, Texas A&M coming off a win over New Mexico last week, heading into their big non-conference matchup against at Miami uh, this weekend. Cease, let's start out with what what stood out to you about A&M in that New Mexico game, especially as you've had a couple days to kind of digest what went down last Saturday in Kyle Field. Just so much of it was clean because you can't control the quality of the opponent you play. They could have played Notre Dame. It turns out they played New Mexico. But that being said is when you look back how clean the game was, even though they had a, too many penalties, but they were stupid penalties. You didn't see a lot of motion penalties. Uh, and Jimbo touched on it, which I noticed while the game was going on, except for the touchdown run, not a lot of missed tackles, but just a clean game. And I think that's a product of where we're headed, that these athletes are really working out year-round. They're getting together in the summer. And you expect them to hit uh, the, the field running. And I think that was a and I can't remember a bad drop by a receiver. It's just a lot of – so to answer your question, very crisp, very clean. Yeah. Uh, you know, the thing that stood out to me, of course, is the passing game for A&M, and especially the deep passing game. That's going to be one of my big questions coming into this uh, game against Miami is was that an identity of this offense, or was that just because they were going to Mexico, they were putting a safety on – um, uh, Noah Thomas and uh, the the deep ball w- w- was open. I'm going to be really curious to see how many of those shots they try to take downfield because Miami has a good cornerback core. Well, it might be once again is we don't know. The theory is Petrino will take what the defense was given and they were given a deep ball. Mm-hmm. And, and so he took it and you're right. But being the media that we, we are is we always got tired of not seeing deep shots. Like, they all oh, they have this great arm quarterback, they have all these wide receivers. Why are not they taking deep shots? And I get it. But, you know, I think Jimbo also got it. He was getting ripped because his offense wasn't any good the last two years. Mm-hmm. So they were good because – were they good because they were taking the deep ball or were they good just they were taking what they gave them? We, we don't know. We'll know a little bit more about Miami because you upgrade the talent of the team you're playing, particularly the athletes. Are they going to take those three or four shots deep, or are they going to hit the intermediate routes, which will be open considering the defense that Miami plays? This is why I love these first two games. I'm real eager to see what A&M does on both sides. And, and a road test in a stadium that at least some of the guys have some familiarity with, some of the older guys who were around on the, the 2020 team with that Orange Bowl win. Um, what are you looking for in this bigger test from the Aggies um, to, to show you that they have made the steps forward from last year? Well, they've struggled so much on the road the last couple mm-hmm. of years. Uh, really, it's, it's been a trade of Jimbo that does pretty well at home, not on the road. And you can say, well, Cessna, a lot of that's the SEC. It's tough to win on the road. Yeah, I agree with you. It's tough to win on the road. But Miami is a SEC-type team in the fact that we know they're going to have talent. 
this has not gone into to Brian Denny or this has not gone into LSU where they're going to be 100,000 throwing things at you. They probably maybe will get 55, 60,000 at the most, I'm guessing. They're having uh, a buy one, get one free ticket. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're having an orange out and whatever. I'm thinking, trying to I figure what to do. Born orange to get AM even matter. But my point being, this is not an intimidating place. It never has been. When you go to Miami, it's what you can get caught up in. Oh man, it's like going to the swamp. Oh, this is Florida and all. And then suddenly you got your head in the swivel. You're you're at the site and you're not playing your game. I don't think that will be the case with A and M since they also go up a day early. But getting back to my, I want to see them go in and take care of business on the road. Mm-hmm. For me, I still am curious about the development of the offensive line. They were from the eye test. They were pretty good last week. If you look at Pro Football Focus, they were actually graded pretty low on both pass and run blocking, especially pass blocking. Um, So I'm curious to see if with greater talent, if that starts to not necessarily pass the eye test and if Connor Wigman has the uh, time and ability. Now, some of that grade goes into the second stringers they had in with, uh, with Max Johnson in there at the end of the game. So you have to, things weren't as smooth and steady when the second string guys were in later in the game against New Mexico. We'll curious to see how much of the grade played into that as well. Um, but yeah, it wasn't necessarily graded great, but on the flip side, Miami's run, uh, uh, pass rush was not graded very well. So kind of that, that, that dichotomy between A&M's offensive line and Miami's pass rush, which is going to step up and take the next step might be a good matchup. Uh, in, in this game. Yeah, and of course you get back to the quarterbacks and you, when you touched on something, I, I was laughing because I said to myself as the game unfolded, there was twice that Wegman had just took off because no one was open and no one was really rushing him. Mm-hmm. And I'm laughing, I'm saying, you're not doing that next week because somebody mm-hmm. in Miami was going to get free, whatever, and you're going to get tackled. It's going to be second and 17 instead of you picked up a first down and then suddenly that drive is done. But, you know, it's, it's apples and oranges, but I'm just laughing. That's why I want to see against quality athletes is Wegman making that tight throw? Is he getting that decision? Can he get to the second read where I thought – if he had to, sometimes he looked at two, three reads because, like you said, there was no rush, so he had time. Can he do that with Miami? And like you said, Miami didn't have great numbers, but Miami played a pretty encouraging game for them considering they were also five and seven. So we're seeing two very excited teams Saturday, and it makes for you can see why ABC's calling this game. One team's going to be really good, feel really good when this game's over. We, we kind of saw the extremes of both programs in that A&M, a lot of deep passes, just a lot of passes in general. And then Miami with Tyler Van Dyke, a good quarterback, they just ran the ball all over the place against Miami of Ohio, had a good running game. Uh, how much do you feel like these offenses might level out and find balance? Because you, you, you find it hard to believe that Miami's going to be a mostly run-based offense with a guy like Tyler Van Dyke and what he's been able to do the past couple of years. And you find it hard that A&M isn't going to run the ball or, or wondering how much success they're going to have running the ball um, as they've rotated through guys. And you don't necessarily have that bell cow anymore. Well, I'm interested to look because you do each week, we do study the opponent. It's tough for us to study the opponent before you get here. You know, going back to last year, Cristobal, and then this year, you know, he cleaned house on his assistants. He brought in like seven new assistants he was an offensive tackle. He was weaned on offense. He changed his philosophy a little bit because he believes
issues in spreading the ball, but power run. So he hired his offensive coordinator from, from U of H that was under uh, uh, Hogerson. So what's funny is their writers, or maybe we can talk to the writer later, they're interested to see how that meshes because some, you know, shreds of the of the spread offense, but yet keep the power spread. So it'll be interesting. We, we know A&M last year had trouble against the run. So will Miami do spread the field a lot and try to run in the middle, expose A&M, maybe hit the tight end with some quick deals? But you're right. It'll be interesting to see just what will Miami be doing in offense because they got a new coordinator. A&M's got a new coordinator. You know, and we know a little bit what Bobby Petrino can do. But like you said, he took a lot of shots deep last week. He took what they had. So I think, you, you know, it's like anything. Oh, the best defense is going to win. Well, th- this is a game where maybe the best offense could win because last year, why did we see a good game? Because neither team could score. Because the whole season, neither team could score. So he saw a nice, good, hard-going, low-scoring game. I'm thinking this might be more in the – it might take the high 20s or low 30s to win. Yeah. Uh, You know, I know you – with your uh, weekly grades, you grade the coaching staff as a whole. You gave them an A, I believe, in Mm -hmm. the uh, New Mexico. How would you grade Bobby Petrino and DJ Durkin individually from that game? Well, give them give them a lot of kudos. At first, I was worried about Durkin when the team when New Mexico started like ten plays, fifty two yards, two mm-hmm. first downs, and I'm saying, what they do all all season, but then only pick up like one more first down the rest of the way, shut down the run game. Other than that, getting back to what I love to see most was nobody running wide open from New Mexico, nobody in the wheel rod getting open. Other than the guy bouncing off for like the 27-yard touchdown, no one bounced off anybody. They had good tackles, so got to give Durkin really high grades because he, he was able to move guys in and out on the D-line without much change, which you should when you're playing New Mexico. Uh, Bobby Petrino, I just loved that how they seemingly moved the ball effortlessly. I said when the game was over, it felt like that should be a 500-yard game, but they only had 411. Well, that's all they needed. They just took what they gave, and they got 52 points. It's not about the 411 yards. It's the 52 points. So, once again, yeah, I get it. They played New Mexico, but I was complaining last year when it was 31-0 against New Mexico. I was complaining a few years ago when they couldn't do anything about Vanderbilt. So, both coordinators get high marks, but it was New Mexico. I know in social media land, there was a lot of talk from Aggie fans about, you know, tight ends have been such an identity of this A&M offense for so many years. And the tight ends only had, I think, two targets. Yeah. One of them was uh, Max, uh, excuse me, a Jake Johnson Jake drop Johnson. In, the, in the end zone. Um, but I think that's kind of indicative of exactly what you were saying with Bobby Petrino. Jimbo Fisher said on his radio show last night that the tight ends are part of the offense. It's just that's not what the defense was was giving them, and the other guys were open. I think so much in Jimbo Fisher's offense with somewhat the personnel they had at wide receivers, somewhat the quarterback and the, the offensive line's inability to block some too, that uh, those deeper routes, those wide, they weren't open. So, so often they were having to to check down to the tight ends over the middle of the field or, or low. And they, it's kind of a, a, a weird case for an A&M fan who's been watching this team for so long that – that they didn't need to really check down a whole lot because their wide receivers were getting open and making plays deeper down the field. I laugh at that because you can't have everything. And, uh, of course, everybody knows I stay up late. I get kind of psycho. So the other night <laughs> I was looking, you know, I said, well, you know, with Thomas and, uh, and uh, 
by the wide receiver. They, they had great numbers. Uh, the other guy opposite A&M, holy cow, they're, they're, they're two good wide uh, Evan Stewart. Evan Stewart, I'm saying, mm-hmm. these two guys had monster numbers. How'd that rank up? Look up. So I looked up all the, uh, basically all the teams in the country, and really you could argue that those two receivers together had a better game than about everybody except two or three teams in the country. Now think mm-hmm. about that. You think about, and I know it was only one game. It was only New Mexico, but that's all you have to go on. But A&M had a monster game by two wide receivers, and one of them wasn't Anaya Smith. Mm-hmm. And then you could say, well, Smith's going to be great. Sesta. I get it. He is. They just didn't need him. They covered him. They obviously had two guys on him, and they weren't going to him. Tight end was – but when you have two guys, both get over 100 yards, whatever it was, and they score five touchdowns between them, whatever – you can't be too picky. I, I laughed about it. It's like everybody wants everything. You know, mm-hmm. I just want $1 million. I don't care about the second million dollars. And it's like, yeah, you know, it's, I just always have to laugh when, oh, they didn't do this. They didn't do that. They won 52 to 10. Be, being psycho is, is kind of a job qualification for being an Eagle. On Tuesday on my day off, I went back and watched the game and, and marked down wow. all of the different yeah. uh, formations that they mm. lined up, or at least the personnel packages they lined up in. Um, uh, 11 personnel, which was a pretty big staple of Jimbo Fisher. That was 22 plays out of uh, 68 plays. Uh, 10 personnel with 17 uh, plays. But actually, in 10 personnel, uh, they never actually ran the ball. They threw it 14 times. Uh, there was two – both of the quarterback scrambles came out of 10, 10. personnel, uh, which was pretty interesting. And most of the shots that they took down the field came out, which makes sense, four wide receivers – uh, oh, one one uh, running back. Uh, 12 personnel, 16 was the next. And then there was a scattering between 20, 21, 31. That jumbo package, too, where they ran 22 with the extra linemen in there, ran that on the goal line. That's how Le'Veon, Le'Veon uh, uh, Moss scored his goal. But uh, 10 personnel had two touchdowns. 11 personnel had four touchdowns. The jumbo had one. It, I, I, I didn't have time, and I it, it would be – futile to go back and try to break this all down with Jimbo's offense, but it did seem like they were rotating guys in, they were giving different looks, there was different personnel packages all the time throughout the drives of Bobby Petrino's offense. Yeah, and the good thing was they did it so smoothly you didn't notice. Like mm-hmm. some, like in the past, they get the wrong package and have to take a timeout or run it, and it, it was just last couple of years, there were just two or three times a, a game, you just shook your head because it looked like nobody was on the same page. Mm-hmm. Whereas sa- Saturday against New Mexico, it looked like they were on the same page really the whole game, and, and that's what you want. And particularly the first game, that that's impressive. Mm-hmm. The the only time that they stuck with personnel was before that Le'Veon Moss drive. They stuck in twelve because they were running the ball a lot mm-hmm. well through the through the end zone. They were just running, running, running. And so they had that two tight end, one running back set through there. A lot of times with Wegman under center. Uh, and then they ran 10 through most of the two-minute drill there at the end of the first half leading up to uh, the blocked field goal. Makes sense, too. You're going to have a four-wide receiver set um, in there. But that was just interesting. Wegman, uh, when he was in there, it was uh, 13 plays in 10 personnel, 11 plays – or excuse me, 17 plays in 11, uh, 10 plays in 12, three plays in 20 – uh, there was only one time that they were in empty set. Um, so in- interesting to see how that might change and, and move around. So, uh, Cease, uh, gut feeling on this weekend. I know we've put our prog panel picks in. Mm. Uh, who, who do you have winning this one? I picked A&M, but, uh, man, I, I think this is this is going to be 
a close game just until A&M goes on the road and shows me that they can play a clean get game and get in the low 30 points, I'm going to believe when I see him because you could go back to Missouri when they went on the road, and, and Missouri was horrible that year mm-hmm. a couple years ago. They just haven't done anything on the road, particularly with the offense. So until they go on there, I, I think in Miami's playing for a lot. They're trying to, you know, Cristobal was also bad bad year for him. This is, this is a quote statement. What's funny is I think with both these coaches are in the second year of like 10-year contracts. They're not gone anywhere. They're making too much money. But, you know, both of them kind of need to win. Tyler Van Dyke, I know there was reports Mm -hmm. coming into that first game that he might have injured his thumb, and that might be why they were running the ball a little bit more in that game. Curious to see how much they're going to throw the ball against them. But I really think this is a game that matches up well for A&M because at least to start out for it, it looked like their run defense was really good. And Miami, at the you know minimum, is going to try to establish the run to set up that passing game. If they can really suffocate that run game, it's going to be hard for Miami uh, in this game. And I think when you look at what I said between Miami's pass rush and A&M's run blocking, uh, I, I, I think from what I saw, A&M's offensive line is improved. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think A&M could win this thing by, by 10 points. Well, I'm kind of, uh, you know, I was disappointed last year in the fact is very seldom does A&M play the same non-conference opponent back-to-back years. All the hype for Van Dyke, I expected to see a much better showing, but he was missing open wide receivers. He did not have a good game here last mm-hmm. year. And now when I look at the guy, and I was going to d- double check, I think he might be playing for his like fourth offensive coordinator. I mean, that, that's hard to do when you're a quarterback, but he's got a lot to prove, and he knows he played poorly this game last year. And uh, sometimes you're only as good as your quarterback, and he played not, not that well against A&M, and that was pretty much evident all year long. And like you said, if he's got an injury or something and you're looking at A&M's defensive line that we know can bring pressure, they haven't done it. Yet in the last, you know, like last year, they weren't able to do that. But I think that's going to be a good matchup to see how, what can, what can he do? Because right now you'd have to give the edge to Connor Wegman and he's only going to be starting his like sixth or seventh game. Mm-hmm. And Van Dyke is like a 10th year senior, almost, whatever, <laughs> yeah. you know? Well, uh, let's hear a little bit more about that Miami side of things from Susan Dignan of the Miami Herald. She joined us last year to break him down. She's going to join us again here next to talk about that Miami hurricane team. Welcome back to the My Aggie Nation podcast. Uh, we're here with Susan Miller Degnan of the Miami Herald, uh, and uh, to break down the Miami side of things. To Susan, first, thanks for uh, giving us a few minutes of your time. And how excited is it for Week Two when we get some actual Power Five against Power Five football? Definitely excited. Glad I'm home. Uh, <laughs> looking forward to this. After last year, it should be fun. Sure, sure, sure thing. Uh, well, let's get right into it. What are some of the biggest headlines from the Miami angle, Miami side of things uh, heading into this game? Well, I think, you know, Miami, uh, they're saying it's not a revenge game. Um, I, I think uh, they need to win. <laughs> That's the biggest headline. Um, they, you know, they come in with, with an opening game win. That's not unusual. But they did play a very, very good game. Um, against Miami of Ohio uh, last week, they won 38 to three. It was a clean game. 
And Miami has new, you know, a new offensive coordinator this year and Shannon Dawson from Houston. He was kind of an air rake type architect. And then they have um, a new defensive coordinator that came out of Marshall, Lance Gidry. And he's really good, really smart. Um, and the defense was very impressive as far as playing for a first game, a clean game, um, even tackling wise, they did pretty well. Um, and, you know, uh, the offensive line is much improved. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if those are headlines, but uh, uh, just, the, you know, it, the team played better than they have. Of course, they had a lousy year last year um, at five and seven. Um, so, and that first game last year, or the game they played against Texas A&M last year was, uh, it was, it was entertaining kind of, but it was, uh, you know, there were a lot of mistakes and things like that. It was close, but you know, it wasn't, wasn't great for Miami. That's for sure. Yeah. I was wondering over here, Jimbo had a really bad year as well. And of course, being in the media, we have all the answers. So that's why everybody tunes in to all of us or picks <laughs> up the paper. So that in mind, when you look back at last year, uh, Cristobal comes in a lot of, a lot of fanfare, a lot of headlines. I uh, get to spend a lot on assistance. So my question is why did Miami not have success last year in your mind? Well, I, there, the offense was Josh Gaddis was the offensive coordinator it's funny because he had won the Broyles Award, but he was a horrible fit, honestly, for UM. Um, he they had a separate quarterbacks coach for Tyler Van Dyke. Um, it just wasn't an offense that fit Miami that well. Um, and um, I don't know how much he got along with all the players, honestly, um, although they'll never come out and say it publicly. Um, also, you know, Tyler Van Dyke, the quarterback who came in as the, he came into last year as the reigning ACC rookie of the year. Um, he got on October 22nd against Duke. He, he hurt his shoulder very badly and, um, he ended up having a third degree AC joint sprain and missed pretty much the, the last half of the season. They tried to get him in against FSU. He lasted just a few plays or whatever. He lasted part of the first quarter. He couldn't, they tried to get him in uh, the last game against, or I, yeah, it was Pittsburgh because they wanted to make a bowl game. And that was a mistake too, in my opinion, they shouldn't have put him in. He was really hurt. Okay. So it just, the, the whole, the whole season in that respect, they're, they're Kevin Steele. And now he's at Alabama, the defensive coordinator last year. You know, he's, I, I love him. He's a great guy, but I really think they've moved up in the world with these two new coordinators. Um, and Tyler supposedly is healed. Um, although he did, <laughs> he, a storyline last week was that he hurt, he hit his finger, his index finger, I guess, or the, the side of his thumb, right throwing hand, the thumb side wow. um, on a helmet during practice. So he and he had a splint in the game and his index finger, a splint or a covering. I don't know if he's going to have that again. So he was not 100 percent last week. He said he was. Why would he wear a splint? OK, um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. But um, it was just a bad. It was a lousy season last year. And um, their offensive line is so much better. Oh, my God. This year. So you ask me 
Keep asking. There you go. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, you mentioned Tyler Van Dyke. Um, I was going to ask about what his health was finger wise. I know uh, a lot of rushing in that game um, last week against the Miami of oh, Ohio. Yeah. How how healthy are you gleaning that he might be? And uh, how, uh, how, how much do you think they're going to lean more on that? run game or is he going to be able to to unleash the the arm a little bit what what does that offense look like with him hurt and and not hurt yeah i i i don't i i want to say he's hurt now i'm not sure i i i mean he says he's fine he did okay last week he did throw a pick of course uh shannon dawson blamed that on himself he said he got too greedy but i mean um Listen, they have four really good running backs, which I didn't say that before, but they have four really good running backs. Um, and they it was amazing because three of them, they, they split the, the carries evenly. I mean, three of them had nine touches and one of them had eight touches. Three of them scored touchdowns. You know, they, they had 250 passing yards, I guess, and 243, excuse me, 250 rushing yards, 243 passing. Um, and basically what Tyler Van Dyke said was we keep asking him. He only he only attempted two passes of more than 20 yards, you know, to two deep passes. So we're wondering how his hand is really. And of course he's not going to say if it hurt. But um, and one of them was a pick, by the way, one of the long passes. But what he said was that Miami of Ohio, you know, were they were deep on everything. They gave them the underneath game. And they took and Miami, he said, took what they were given. They just have to be patient. And if that's what whatever they're given, they're gonna do. So they can pass, they can, I mean, they can run and hopefully they can pass. I think I we're all waiting to see the Tyler from two years ago. You know, but last week wasn't it because they didn't really he didn't really have those opportunities. Yeah. And, and on the flip side, A&M has seemingly found their quarterback in Connor Wegman, but oh. uh, Miami has all new cornerbacks this year. What does that defensive secondary uh, look like for Miami as they go against um, the kind of passing attack that A&M has least demonstrated in one game so far this season? Well, that's the, that's the part of the game I'm, I'm would be most concerned about for Miami. Um you know, I also think they need to improve their pass rush, but they have a very good, I think they have a good rotation at D-line. I think they're talented. They've got to improve, they've got to get in Wegman's face. But the DBs, they started with, I think, five last week, um, and two linebackers, four defensive linemen. And they're, they're both their both their cornerbacks last year got drafted. So um they're they're either they have they one of the starters last week is a transfer out of West Virginia. He was there, uh, Daryl Porter Jr. He was there at UM last year also. Another one's an Oklahoma transfer, a fifth year senior this year, uh, Jaden Davis, who's who started. They're I'm not saying they're bad at all, but they're really they're totally unproven. They're either new or transfers or inexperienced or and I I think Texas A&M. You know, you got a you got a good offensive coordinator. I mean, I, they're definitely going to try to take advantage of UM's corner, you know, secondary cornerbacks. Now, UM does have a good; they have an all-American safety in Cameron Kinchins, um, and James Williams is a big guy. He's like six foot five. The other safety is he's good. The, their starting safeties are good, but honestly, they don't have depth in safeties either. So I, th- I, I, I think that's. 
it's going to be it's going to be tough for um how much of a home field advantage does miami have do you feel we are every every team talks about their home field advantage big ranked team coming to town a chance for miami to take a step back ahead from last year's disappointment how much of a home field advantage is that going to be saturday sunday saturday afternoon i mean i mean it is their home field okay so it is going to be an advantage but it's you know they're not going to be 107,000 people there I mean, I, I, you know, um, and, and Miami, as you know, is a different place. It's not, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in Miami. I'm not making excuses, but the, they don't feel, they don't get a, they don't get a ton of fans there. Um, they come out for big, big games and big events. And I don't even know if this is, they consider this big enough. I don't, I, you know, the way the, the, the crowd, the way the crowd is, I, they drew, for example, they drew well and announced forty nine thousand, but it was pretty accurate. Usually, it's like you know more than half empty, and they say announce a paid attendance or whatever. It, it was actually decent last week, and it rained um, during part of the game, and and the fans were pretty good. Um, I, I you know somebody from UN told me they expect fifty. In the mid to upper fifties, which for UM is really good, guys. <laughs> Believe me, it's really good, and they will make they will make noise. I mean, they'll make a lot of noise. So, you know, they haven't started booing yet. What? So <laughs> that happens sometimes, but it's not Texas A and M. It's just not, and so it is. A, yes, it's an advantage. It's for sure an advantage playing at Hard Rock, but it's not. It's not like you know, your, your stadium. What has Cristobal said to the media about what, why, why does he feel this year will be different than last year? He, all he, he just, all he talks about is doing the work, doing the work, putting your head down, grinding and doing the work. And he sure. And they had a great recruiting class, a great recruiting class. Um, They were like a top seven recruiting class, got a ton of really good freshmen, by the way. Um, the offensive line. I mean, you're asking me what Cristobal, the offensive line is his baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex Mirabal, the O-line coach and, 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 and uh, Cristobal are very close friends. Cristobal is a former UM O-lineman won a national championship. There's no doubt he, what he's, what he's concentrating on are the both lines are recruiting to get, you know, the defensive line and the offensive line, but especially the offensive line. And let me tell you, they, they have a, they have a pretty darn good offensive line now. They've got a, they've got a left guard that transferred from Alabama who was a starter. And I don't think he gave up a JV on cone, gave up a sack last year. They have a left tackle. Who's very, very good. Jalen rivers who played guard before he's very good. The center is Matt Lee out of UCF, a transfer who was considered, I think, one of the top centers in the country. Um, and the right tackle is a true freshman. That's kind of unheard of. Uh, who started this? He was the number one offensive line recruit in the nation this past year, Fran, uh, Francis Malagoa. I'm not saying it right. Sorry. Um, and, and by the way, his brother is a starting linebacker who was the, the probably the best defensive player on the field. It's pretty interesting. He's a transfer out of Washington State. So um, I probably got off topic here, but I mean, Cristobal is just saying they're just going to keep working and they're not, they're going to keep getting better. And he thinks they're going to be better this year. 
Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll we'll close it out with this because we know you need to uh, to get back to, to to writing as all of us need to. Um, any feelings on the game? Uh, whether you want to give a prediction or whether you want to give a, a a key matchup or or what? What's kind of your feeling on on how this game will go? I I think I think I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna, I can't hate predictions. <laughs> I mean I like like last week I knew pretty much who I was going to win. This week, I, I, I want. There's some games that I'm kind of pretty sure. In this game, I mean, you what? There's a it's a four point spread now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I I mean, they're at UM. I definitely wouldn't say for sure UM's going to win this game. Okay, I think, but I wouldn't say I wouldn't say UM definitely loses this game for sure. I do think UM can win this game. Okay, I'm mm-hmm. not helping you. I'm not being. Uh, juicy here but i and, and as far as uh as far as uh the i think um i think again the um uh, i think the um offensive line has to has to keep opening holes i mean it's the same old stuff um i think the d line has to get more pressure uh, the um d line has to get more pressure on wegman or i i, I don't know how they can stop that and um uh yeah, and I guess your D line is really good, right? So I mean, I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, see, close yeah, thoughts. The what line, think? I, I think the lines will do a lot because a is going to go up in quality. So is you guys from Miami of Ohio. So I think whoever wins the lines might win the ball game. You know, of course, turnovers always key. key but I am interested to see what A&M's both lines will do against Miami, so vice versa. So I guess we need to put our binoculars real close to those 10, 12 guys' button heads and see what happens. Yeah, I, as I was saying a little bit earlier, I, I actually see it a little differently in that I, if Miami, even if Tyler Van Dyke can can throw the ball and that's the little bit more of the game plan. If they are looking to establish the run, I was really impressed with what AM's run defense was able to do. If they can comp- make uh Miami one dimensional in in that regard, I, I could see it as a 10 point AM lead, but but I oh, 10 point AM win, but I I could also see it as if Van Dyke is is wheeling and dealing and throwing the ball around, yeah, it could be it could be a toss-up. So um I, I think a lot of it comes down to the line of scrimmage and especially uh the the run defense and run game between the two uh two two teams well susan thank you so much for giving us a few minutes of your time uh and uh real quick if you could tell everyone how to find your work and follow you on any socials that you that you have or, or anything you do in that sure, regard thank you. thanks on twitter it's at s like susan at s miller degnan oh you'll never be able to spell that. <laughs> we'll s- have a little graphic no. we'll put a little graphic up there You'll have it. S. Miller and Degnan is D like David, E. G. N like Nancy, A. N like Nancy. S. Miller Degnan. And and <laughs> and all your work is on the Miami Herald. What's the website? MiamiHerald.com. Perfect, perfect. Well, thank you again for giving us a few minutes of your time. Thank you all for uh, listening, watching, and we'll be back next week with another Miami Nation podcast. See you. Bye bye. It seems like every day, everything just has a way, the way it must have seems. But if we don't watch what we're doing, our hearts will get ruined by silly things. Good loving needs a girl, we know that's true. But if we want to keep it, we gotta watch everything that we do. Make sure my baby makes sure
sure you're sticking with me. 